right, guys, what is up? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network. My name is Steven and I am the host as always. And we have a very special episode planned for you today. It is week one. We have real football to talk about and preview. Um, and this is going to be a really uh, nerdy, coach-heavy episode. So we thought, who better to come back on the show than Mr. Sean Syed, who joined us to talk about Kellen Moore earlier in the offseason. Sean, thanks so much for uh, taking the time again, man. How you doing? I'm doing awesome. I appreciate it so much once again. And wow, we don't have to look at training camp clips. <laughs> we don't have to, you know, see who's in the best shape of their life. We don't have to break down any more preseason film. We have made it. And it, 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 feels, it feels absolutely incredible. It does feel absolutely incredible. I cannot wait for, uh, I mean, we're two days away from an NFL game being played and a, f- a few short days after that for the Chargers and the Dolphins game being played as well. Uh, joining us as always is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing? Great, man. Our first episode on this Chargers channel was before the draft and everything's really awesome in the draft and yay. And then it was just summer and we had 18 episodes of just like stuff in the middle of summer. And again, you're like, everyone's in the best shape of their lives. It's amazing how good in shape all these guys are, the best shape of their lives. Uh, but now we'll see what kind of shape they're in. Football is here. I'll be there on Sunday. I'm stoked. Yeah, cannot wait for this game. It's it's a game where I think if you study film and you are into schematics and you are into data, this is kind of your Super Bowl and it's in it's happening in week one. And I cannot wait to dive into it with Tyler and Sean. Um, before we get started, as always, Tyler and I are fans of the team. First and foremost, just like you guys are, we are very fortunate to have this platform. Uh, but the opinions that we express on this show and every week on this show are not always reflective of the Chargers organization. Like I said, very grateful to be here and uh, happy to kick off week one uh, with Sean. Before we really dive in here with Sean, I think it's important to really kind of set the stage of why this coaching battle is so important heading into week one and the kind of tone that it can set for the rest of the season. You know, if you look at the kind of metas that are around the NFL these days, it's a lot of Vic Vangio disciples and it's a lot of Kyle Shanahan disciples. And these two coaches, Brandon Staley and Mike McDaniel, have really kind of taken their own twists off of their background so, Sean, I want to start with you. How have you seen Brandon, Sta- Brandon Staley take the Vic Vangio defense and maybe mold it into his own vision over the past few seasons as the Rams defensive coordinator and, of course, the Chargers head coach? I, think, I just think Brandon Staley is an exceptional, exceptional defensive game planner. I really, really do. I like his philosophies of defense, particularly the way that he approaches pass coverage, and I think some of his blitz designs are really, really good. I like the way that he's gotten the Chargers DBs to match routes. I think they have a really deep third down bag and they force quarterbacks to play after the snap. In today's NFL, you can't, you cannot just sit back in one coverage alignment all day. Quarterbacks have gotten way too good at processing before the snap and offensive coordinators, they just understand how to break the rules of coverage better than ever. And Staley's pass defense, right? They end up in the top 10 last year. I think that's for a reason. And I think that certainly had at least design to thank in part. But I do know that a lot of Chargers fans, you know, there is criticism for Brandon Staley's defense, particularly in the run game. Uh, I think that's, it's a difficult problem for all defenses, right? I think defense as a a whole is an allocation problem, right? You could line up 11 players in the box and say, you know what, we're going to stop every single run, but then the team's just going to pass the ball. And Staley's made it clear on the field that his defense is designed to stop that explosive pass. 
But the problem comes up when instead of those plays, you're seeing explosive runs. And I don't think that's something that Staley shies away from. You know, he said it in press conferences that they need to do a better job. And the question is going to be this year, obviously, you know, how are the Chargers going to be able to do that? Yeah, everyone's like, well, you know, stop stopping the or stop letting the explosive runs happen. Of course, like Brennan Staley does not want those to happen. He invites the run more so than the pass, of course, but he doesn't want them to run. He wants them to run for zero yards or negative yards if possible. This Dolphins game, and um, you and Tej talked about this on, I believe it's stats and, what is it, stats and film? What's it called? Stats Stats and scheme. scheme. There it is, that that, that particular episode. Pretty much, stats and film. Yeah, pretty close. Um, (laughs) Excellent. You called this like the highest watchability game of week one. There's so much going on here. You watched last year's game. And this was like the game that a lot of guys, different guys point to. Ted Wynn had an article come out before the playoff game against the Jaguars. Like Brandon Staley's an elite schemer. He's an elite defensive play caller. It's a fantastic scheme and he's elite. He's, he's a genius and that sort of thing. How do you get the Chargers? And I guess this is the million dollar question. How does Brandon Staley get the Chargers and this defense to consistently do this? There are some defenses or teams across years, across years, or even just the entire season where you just know oh man, we're going to struggle against this team because their defense is just historically or has been for several years a really, really good defense. Brandon Staley in this defense has shown, again, in this Dolphins game, the previous Dolphins game, that they're so good at doing so many things and can execute at such a high level. How do you get them to do that across an entire season? What is the next step Brandon Staley might have to take uh, this year? Yeah, you know, on a year-to-year basis, defense, it's so much more fragile than offense, right? I think if you track it out, you know, I don't pretend to be the stats guy first, but if you look at it from year-to-year, your offense is more likely to have kind of a similar high-end result if they did the previous year, and the kind of opposite end on the defensive end, right? Coverage is a fragile thing where, you know, it's really just inches or the tip of a ball that can lead to an interception, which is such a huge swing. And I really think defenses, they are helped by being, you know, you're in the same system year after year. I think there were early hiccups with the Chargers in that first year. And the defense system, it's not the easiest to learn. Right? Part of it is that we need to get you know, Staley's personnel in there. That is a really big thing, where it's a safety that you have to learn how to watch how routes express in a, in a bit of a different way. And it seems like every year, right, Chargers get a little bit of bad luck with injuries. But you know, coming in this year, let's keep both those edge guys healthy. I think that is such a big difference in the run game, whether it's something... You have your kind of random TFL that you weren't expecting because Bosa mm. just beats a guy. Mm. I think that's something that's so possible against the Dolphins, and it's hopefully possible week to week. I think figuring out that nickel spot, right? Whether it's week on a week to week basis, you know, we want someone who's more active in the run fit, someone who can really attack that the ball in the backfield and make those sorts of plays, or maybe it's you know certain downs we're going to get more of a pass coverage player. And I was I spent a lot of time just watching the explosive runs that the Chargers let up. Uh, last season to see, okay, well, how do you troubleshoot this, right? I think that a lot of times people at the, at the start were at least in good positions, right? Because one thing would be, would be awful, uh, that's the starting point. Are we just like lined up totally awful, right? I think later in the season, there was just better interior defensive line play. And I think run defense, unfortunately, it's a really cascading effect where if your interior guys are getting beat a little bit, it makes the linebacker's life harder because then the offensive lineman can climb to the linebacker's. Now a linebacker has to fight off a person, and there were a lot of runs where it just ended up with an incredibly athletic running back in space with full steam at a defensive back. But towards the back half of the season, I do think, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day, I think he played a lot better. That interior defensive line, they had 
Steely is creative in that, like you said, right? Steely doesn't want to let up these runs, right? He's not asking and telling the offense, hey, you guys just run all over us as much as you can, right? So against the 49ers, against the Titans, they had different fronts where they have two defensive linemen really clogging the kind of the A-gaps, both sides of the center, and that makes the center's life harder. It They have the ability just to blitz into different fronts. So even if you don't have a certain type of personnel, Brandon Steely has shown just a cool ability to say, look, we don't have, you know, Vince Wolfirk in at the nose, but we can, you know, send a linebacker there and mess with the offensive line in different ways. So, you know, consistency is going to be the question, and it may just be that I like to see the good in people, but I think Staley has so much good to him, and I hope that they can build off that back half of last year going into this year. Yeah, you mentioning the defensive tackle room. I think that's a super important point that we have tried to emphasize on our show uh, across a few episodes, whether it was you know, the draft conversations where certain draft analysts wanted the Chargers to draft Siaka Ika in the first round or like <laughs> Mozzie Smith in the first round. And it's like, no, 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 like defensive tackle is not the problem, you guys. Like the defensive line was was solid last year. Of course, I would love to have a, you know, a guy like a Quinn and Williams or Chris Jones or whatever. But um, the Chargers have solid pieces up front. And where they got into trouble last year was that edge rusher spot opposite of Khalil Mack. And then you mentioned the secondary pieces as well. So you know we'll 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 tackle this from a personnel standpoint on our own channel later this week but Sean in your opinion like how do how does Brandon Staley maybe overcompensate for uh some you know subpar personnel that we've seen in, in the last couple of years yeah well the Dolphins game was I think one of the best examples where he I think he really really got his players bought in on a game plan right so mm-hmm. the Dolphins example I just keep I keep that one in mind, I feel like, over so many, whether it's a flaw or whether it's a bad result for the Chargers in any sort of way. And I think that he can simplify things when he needs to, where his system of figuring out, okay, well, the second receiver is releasing a certain way after this many steps. Now I need to pass my guy off of somewhere else. Against Miami, he made that a lot simpler, right, by playing heavy man coverage in different ways. So I do think that Silly has a good ability to figure out, all right, well, these are the pieces I have left. And, you know, defense, it's not always about what you want to do. A lot of times it's about what you have to do. So I, I'm, I'm hoping the injury bug doesn't hit you guys the same way that, that it always has. Because obviously you have Duran James. Hopefully he's healthy for a full season. And, you know, we talk a lot about positional versatility on the defensive end. Sometimes it helps when that person is really good at one thing. But Derwin James is good at a lot of things. And hopefully he can help erase some things up front. And I'm happy to see Eric Hendricks. You know, I've watched him a lot with the Vikings last year. I think he still has juice left in him. So... The, the ability to bring in guys, you know, continue the system again another year, just get that buy-in again and again and again. And it seems like, you know, people emerge for the Chargers, right? You got new cornerbacks coming in uh, year after year that you just hopefully see more success from them. Yeah, really curious. And we'll dive into it very soon. Really curious what Brandon Staley has for this offense against the Dolphins. I think he cranked up his stunt rate by about 5% compared to the rest of the games throughout that season. So We'll see what he's got. Does he have to do that this game? I don't know, because now he's got all his guys back. Yeah, so like Tyler said, let's let's dive into this matchup, into the nitty-gritty of these coaching schematics. Um, obviously, I feel like most people were kind of surprised that the Dolphins uh, hired Mike McDaniel. You know, he, he hadn't been with, uh, you know, an elevated, you know, title in San Francisco for very long. Of course, he had followed Kyle Shanahan for quite some time and, and was kind of known around the NFL as this run game guru um, that was working with Kyle Shanahan. And then he gets to Miami and they're not really running the football a whole lot. Um, Sean, what did you kind of see from 
his first step as a play caller, as a head coach down there in Miami last season. The Dolphins were just one of the most exciting offenses to watch last year, especially when they were fully healthy under Mike McDaniel. And as you said, you know, he comes from that Shanahan tree. He did a great job of taking the roots of that offense, which you know, a lot of it is credit in the run game. And like you said, you know, I think he had a really high pass rate over expectation because he just supercharged the whole entire thing with Tyreek Hill and J- Jalen Waddell while forming it around his quarterback strength. So the way, same way I think that Staley has a good job defensive game planning. I think McDaniel understands these are the pieces that I have and this is how I make the most of them. And he did that by making it a track meet for teams, right? They use that kind of fast motion at the snap to get into stacks at full speed. It scared defensive backs off. It opened up space underneath and they were even able to get to some of the more classic Shanahan play action concept from shotgun instead of under center, which has been really, really hard for teams. When Tua played in rhythm, he played really, really well. Teams backed off Hill and Waddle, uh, as they probably should. Right? I wouldn't want Tyreek Hill running full speed at me. I think that no. <laughs> the Dolphins were happy to take advantage of that underneath space. But the problem that defenses have presented to a lot of offenses, where you stay in those two high shells and you wait as long as possible to get out of that and show your rotation, the Dolphins solved that with speed and aggression. Their creative motion, it forced teams to back out of the press or it made them show their rotation a lot earlier. And it put the Dolphins in a place where they could play pre-snap where Tua could point and shoot a lot of times where he'd go to his first read and didn't have to worry as much about processing after the snap. I, I feel bad for Tua because there's this, he comes into the league and he's not Herbert and he's not Burrow. So automatically that's very tough for, for him in the comparisons. And then there's a situation where the, maybe the team doesn't want him. So he has a couple of rough seasons. Then finally he has a really good season. Mike McDonald comes in and he puts up great numbers, the numbers that you'd want from your franchise quarterback when he was healthy. And all he gets labeled is now is like, well, it was the system. It was the scheme that did it for him. So it's really like you can't win either way. What did you see? I don't, I don't know how much Dolphins you've watched over the last few years, but like, what have you seen? Has Tua himself legitimately improved how he plays from, let's say, the previous year to last year? Or is it really just the scheme did, did everything for him? Yeah, that, that question's so tough because it's so hard to pull apart, right? How can we pull apart the scheme? How can we pull apart the quarterback? And just thinking, well, how many quarterbacks would succeed in this system? It may be that a lot would, but also, you know, the way that Tua takes a snap and gun and snaps his head one way and is able to get the ball out with such anticipation so quickly, there are a lot of strengths that Tua has. Now, of course, you know, I would agree in that you said that, yeah, Tua is not Justin Herbert because a lot of quarterbacks aren't Justin Herbert. He is incredibly unique and you guys are incredibly lucky to be rooting for him every <laughs> single week. So I do think that Mike McDaniel understood, okay, you know, maybe Tua does have some limitations, but Tua still was more than happy to drive the ball down the field. He just did it in rhythm. He did it a little bit quicker than I think some other people would do. So I like Tua. I think this is really the year where we can maybe decide defenses have seen a little bit more from them. The Chargers put out sort of a blueprint, but just a fantastically played game. And, you know, can Tua start to hit some of those outbreakers or can he start to play to his second and third read in different ways where I'm optimistic for Tua because particularly because I think so highly of Mike McDaniel, but I'm sure Chargers fans are going to want to see something different uh, on Sunday. Yeah. You know, th- just hearkening back to that matchup last season and, and also to the 49ers game that they had where the 49ers uh, really crushed them. <laughs> um, obviously a little different. You have Fred, Bo- Fred Warner, you have Nick Bosa, the Chargers didn't, have those guys healthy again there the Chargers Bosa was already out injured um you know the defensive line was pretty banged up at that point um so you look at 
how the the 49ers went about that game and everybody leading up to the thing was like, well, the Chargers don't have Fred Warner. Like, how are they going to do this? So revisiting that game, you know, what did you really see from how the, the Chargers approached um, blitzing that that passing attack and, and kind of staying away from the track meet? Yeah, that the game plan versus the Dolphins was just so fantastic. And I'm glad that you brought up the 49ers game because it was so different than that game where you make a great point. Fred Warner is, he's just one of one, right? Not every team has that kind of player. The 49ers were able to erase that intermediate middle of the field with linebacker depth. And that's something that's hard to do because as I said, not everyone has Fred Warner. But Staley wanted to avoid that track meet instead of backing off soft zones. He pressed the Dolphins, which it's easy to say now, oh yeah, like they pressed him. But that was really revolutionary at the time because I don't think anyone really thought of that. I don't think it, it made sense on a chalkboard to say we are going to press this incredibly fast receiver where there can be results like that one long touchdown that there was just on that vertical ball. But, you know, that's the price to pay sometimes. I think the Chargers did a great job of getting the Dolphins into third and long, and they they just had a deep, deep third and, third and long package, whether it's different coverages, whether you have different guys dropping out. You know, they did a great job with those safeties robbing down, taking away that intermediate middle of the field. But the disruption aspect of it was so, so cool to see, whether it's pressing on the backside of a route so Tua can't just snap his head around and play action and get that throw. But then also, as much as I love to talk about scheme and X's and O's, you know, those players played out of their minds. The Some of the DB plays were awesome. I think how many times snap after snap you're covering Waddle and Hill at full speed is so difficult. Getting your hands on balls that I think other teams weren't able to do. So a beautiful combination of game plan, execution, Let's disrupt this, and it is absolutely something that I'm sure Mike McDaniel and Tour, you know, they're watching over and over and seeing how did they do this to us? What do we do to get better against? Yeah, them? just going back to it, the game and just the numbers. I was looking at the third downs that they faced, and I was surprised that you know nine out of eleven of the third downs they faced were third and long, and that's really a credit to what they were able to do. Yes, against the pass, but also against the run. Not that they you know stopped the run. I think they still ran for four yards a carry, but they're able to limit what the Dolphins could do on early downs to get into those third and long situations. The Dolphins didn't face a third and short until like a minute and a half left in the fourth quarter. So it'll be interesting to see what the Chargers can do this game. Because like you said, scheme, draw it up, whatever you want, the players just flat out executed. I mean, they were undermanned. Um, it should have been worse. I think Steven and I both predicted a loss that game because of the injuries. But these guys played out of, played out of their minds. Yeah. So really hope those guys can do that again this week. Yeah, I think my biggest curiosity for, you know, outside of the scheme is how does Asante Samuel Jr. in the slot kind of factor in how this game unfolds? Because if you go back and watch that game, it was a lot of Michael Davis on Tyree Kill, and it was a lot of kind of, uh, you know, shadowing the middle with Drew Tranquil with Jasir Taylor on Jalen Waddell. And Asante just kind of roamed a little bit and was able to make plays in the coverage area now theoretically like he's going to be the one matching up with Jalen Waddle and maybe a JC Jackson. We'll see what his status unfolds like this week. But um, Sean, what would you kind of estimate, you know, we'll talk about adjustments here in a second, but like the idea of Asante in the slot, how do you think that you know, manifests manifests itself this week? Yeah, I think it's going to depend on what Miami comes out with, right? I think that if you have someone who's more of, uh, a pass defender where I think Asana Samuel is very good in coverage. 
if the Dolphins say, hey, we bought in Braxton Berrios, maybe we want to get into more 11 personnel where it's just one running back and one tight end and three receivers instead of how they usually had it with two running backs, a tight end, and then just those two receivers. So it's going to depend a little bit on does Miami see their solution as, hey, we need to get the ball out quick or we need to get these checkdowns and kind of run those over and over? Do we need to get into our kind of our RPO game in different ways where we have a run going one way and maybe a bubble going the other way. So I think it's something that Staley's going to, he's going to have to be pretty fluid with it, whether it's Samuel is doing a great job in the run game. He is not doing a great job in the run game because I do think the first answer that the Dolphins should tor- move towards is uh, finding different ways to run the ball. Yeah, that is the one I, I really want to get into in just a sec because you mentioned right after the, the Chargers game and from that Bills game on, the Dolphins just figured out how to run the football. And I was curious, okay, did they actually improve? You know, is there any kind of adjustment there? And I, I don't know what happened. I'll let you speak on that. But the Dolphins went from like 22nd in EPA per play, rushing the football to fifth, just in the, after the Chargers game. Like they figured something out. And I'm really curious how they test the Chargers this game because, you know, we, we talk about Michael Davis and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and all that, but the Dolphins theoretically could just go out and, and test the Chargers run game. Okay, Asante Samuel Jr. is now your starter in the slot. Yeah, I think that that's a smart yeah. way to do it. And it felt really interesting. You know, you turn the Bills film on, that literal next game, first clip, outside zone, lead, right? So it's not to me, maybe it's more that McDaniel said, hey, I have these absolute studs in Hill and Waddle. We can run them downfield all day. And I imagine, you know, if you have those shiny toys, sometimes it's annoying to put them down and, you know, play with something else. So to get back into that run game where that is, I think, something that McDaniel is so, so good at. So he just has an embarrassment of riches between this really incredibly, incredibly designed and incredibly executed passing game and a run game that I do think that we'll talk about gap scheme in a little bit and the different ways that I think they will use it this year. But it wasn't that they, yeah, they didn't change things overnight, I would say, against the Bills, for example. But it was more of a commitment to things that were already in their system that McDaniel is so used to. It's just, I think offensive play callers probably are by nature a little bit impatient, right? I would want to you know, throw a touchdown on first down every single time. I think McDaniel <laughs> sometimes had that approach. And where we always know that passing is going to be more efficient than running, sometimes taking that easy run is is the right decision. Yeah, you mentioned the efficiency. It's... it's... It's going to be really curious. Seth Waller talked about this on Amina Kimes' podcast that early down passing efficiency was like the lowest it's been in like eight to 10 years. I can't remember the exact uh, stat there, but passing efficiency is starting to come down on early downs. It's still more efficient than running the football, according to EPA per play. But, you know, both of these offenses have talked so much about running the football and being able to marry the run game and the pass game. It's been the theme of of the offseason for both of these teams from like a schematic standpoint um to me like the key to the dolphins rushing attack is is probably alec ingold like i think what he's able to do for them is is pretty similar to what the 49ers have in in yushek i don't think ingold is nearly the receiver that yushek is but when the chart when the dolphins get into that uh 21 personnel alec ingold gives them a ton of options i'm curious to see how that you know expresses itself this week yeah, I think having a fullback that can block is a rarity in the NFL now, and it, it opens up your run game in so many different ways. I think a lot of the outside run, outside zone runs are able to be successful because if the defense adds a player to the box, the offense can put that fullback there, and they're using their angles in different sorts of ways. It's more of we can solve the problems that the defense presents us in different ways. 
so we can have our maybe our right tackle working at a different angle or a wide receiver on the outside kind of crack blocking instead of sending our guard to kind of climb to that person so having a fullback is such a thrill it is so fun to watch i think we need to be more into the run game and i'm gonna you know pound my fist on the table all year for gap scheme runs particularly because it makes life so hard on a defense and when defenses continue to as daily does and i think rightfully does devote more resources to stopping the pass you got to be able to get them off balance right balance in the nfl it's not about passing the ball 50 percent of the time and running the ball 50 percent of the time but it's if the defense is giving us a favorable look are we able to take advantage of that? Yeah, it is very difficult to find a fullback. The Chargers just cut theirs. They is not on the Steelers practice squad. So it's very difficult to find a really, really good blocking one. Talk about that gap scheme, man, because I know you've been excited to talk to talk about it um, on stats and scheme. I got it this time. Um, you talked about how it's not that everyone's shifting all the way back towards gap, right? And from this outside zone and whatnot, but there is kind of a, a retooling or remolding, I guess, of how the run game might go for some coordinator. So, Talk about how the Dolphins might bring that to this game and then why that would be so effective, maybe in particular against the Chargers. When we talk about gap scheme runs, we have power, counter, trap, and wham. You know, those are a lot of the runs that we'll see from the Lions, for example, on Thursday on opening day. They can feel a little bit more, I think, aggressive than a zone run. It's more downhill. It's kind of more at you where, for example, the Chargers, I think they'll be running more duo, which that's also a more of a vertical attacking play. And a lot of defenses now, they're, I think, designed and defensive linemen, they're playing their technique in a way to shut down zone runs. And zone run, you know, the NFL is a zone running league. It's maybe not always, but I think for the next few years, it has for the last while, where inside zone and outside zone, those are the most common runs. And defenses, they are happier to play with lighter boxes. You know, they have those two high coverages and they want to kind of maybe string that ball out. They want to get it to kind of it's called rolling off the table where you can have a safety coming down and clean that up but that's a lot harder when you have you know your left tackle or Trent Williams with the Niners does a great job they're washing down the whole entire front of the line you have that fullback kicking out the edge and then the running back is just able to get vertical it's a different skill set for a running back where when you're running zone it's it's really hard you're reading one gap at a time it's it's feel based it's timing based you're not always right it's difficult and in gap scheme it's a lot of times it's take the ball and run this through the gap that we've assigned and get downhill, right? It's, it's a more aggressive style of run that if your linebackers are kind of rocking back or they're playing off the defensive tackles, a lot of that doesn't matter when the defensive line is, or the offensive line is able to push the D-line vertical with those doubles. They don't have to finesse in the same sort of way. And then there's a the question of, are you going to load the box then on defense? And now you've put the defense into such a bind where we're not sure if we can play the run with our light box, but they're running over us for five yards of carry. So now we have to get into something else that's going to change. Getting to that point about gap schemes. I think it, we we're seeing that come to fruition with the chargers here in Los Angeles too, where, you know, Kellen Moore, if you go back a couple of years ago to the Cowboys, they were one of the league leaders in outside zone. Um, but with the chargers, it's been a lot of aggressive downhill concepts, a lot of duo, a lot of counter, a lot of trap, and we talked to Joshua Kelly about this a few weeks ago, and the running backs are so excited about the changes because it just makes things so much easier for them. Uh, so I, I think you're going to watch the film of this game after uh, after Sunday, Sean, and be really, really happy about the amount of gap concepts that you're seeing, I think, on, on both sides uh, for, for these teams. That's really exciting to hear. I think that that is exciting for the Chargers' offensive line, uh, particularly. I think that that offensive line unit is going to be so, so good. I know maybe we're talking about 
the Dolphins offense, but have to take a second to think about those guys getting healthy, getting together, being aggressive in how they attack defensive fronts. And it's going to be so fun because the Dolphins defensive front is really, really, really good. And being spoiled in week one is just, it's just, it's almost too rich, right? We're not even used to watching these football games back to back to back and <laughs> thinking, oh man, I want to watch the Dolphins offense. I want to watch the Chargers offense. Just, just be incredibly excited for for Sunday. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'll be there. Hopefully there's a win. I'd love to drive home after a win and go to work after a win. Um, <laughs> you've talked a couple of times so far about these outbreaking routes and how the Dolphins might lean into those more and how Tua maybe needs to be better at those. Talk about why they would lean into that more and how that takes advantage of how the Chargers DBs played last time. So the way that DBs were playing were on a lot of the times when there was a stack release and it was kind of a switch where receivers would kind of cross each other, they would stay playing low, so closer to the line of scrimmage, and then inside, closer to the ball. And McDaniel, I think he noticed that because they did run those outbreaking concepts at least two times, I think, where you see on, on film, there was one example where two ended up scrambling and had a really nice scramble, but that route is open. And... It is open because the defense cannot take away everything, right? No defense is able to take away every single angle. A lot of times in pass coverage, for example, you know, you're playing leverage. You can't, you're playing leverage hopefully to help in some sort of way, right? So a lot of times you'll play outside leverage because you know you have and you're funneling them inside. But Staley had the DBs do a really good job of saying to a beat us on these outbreaking routes. And I don't think the Dolphins were comfortable taking that. They were comfortable calling it. But it is, I think, to, to his benefit that he got to watch that tape last year. He got to go through it. He got to think about it for that long. So now coming back here on Sunday, I'm absolutely going to anticipate them at least calling those deep outbreaking routes once. It'll be interesting to see, are the Chargers going to say, you know what, if you can beat us with that after we've taken care of all these different things, you know, hats off to you, right? We'll, we'll try and disguise you in a different way. We'll play around with leverages. But those outbreaking routes, especially at, at the deeper level where you're being threatened with uh, Hill and Waddle's verticality in so many different ways, that's what was open based just how the defense was playing them. So I'm sure Staley knows that too, right? He understood that and he said, beat us this way, and they didn't. So it may be that, you know, if the Dolphins can manage getting themselves into third and four way more often, this isn't an issue in any sort of way. But for the Dolphins during the year, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. Teams across the league were one studying the Dolphins because what can we steal from them? What can we learn from them? But then right. also, well, are you able to hit that sort of concept, those kinds of routes where, you know, it looked like maybe you weren't as comfortable doing it. And Tua has arm strength to, to make those throws. He really does. For those specific throws, he does. So it's just a question of are the Chargers going to present that same sort of look? Are we going to force you to make the same sort of throw? And can you make it, right? You know, at the <laughs> end of the day, can, can you execute on what is being designed? Yeah, I think this is just the the cat and mouse of this coaching matchup is is so interesting to me because of what you've kind of outlined today for us. Um, so you think that the Dolphins are going to be countering one way, maybe maybe they're going to be doing the same kind of thing. I don't know, but what we know about the Chargers is that they're going to be healthier this time around than they were against the Dolphins previously. So taking into consideration what you think the Dolphins might be changing what you yourself might need to change. How do you balance that if you're Brandon Staley of, hey, let's do what we know and what we trust versus let's maybe be a little bit proactive against the Dolphins uh, on Sunday afternoon? I think that Staley is going to have to continue to be really flexible with his run fronts. And I'm glad that they got games in against the Titans last year. They got a game in last year versus the 49ers. And 
I wanted to make sure I watched those because the question to me was, well, is Staley just sitting back in one thing? You know, is he inviting the defense to run constantly into the same exact looks? And he wasn't, right? So he's more than comfortable getting heavier in the box against certain teams and against mm-hmm. certain looks. I think it's going to be, it's sometimes tough just to line up against the Dolphins because if they're in their two running back, one tight end, and then Hill and Waddle, if they're in that personnel and can get to all of these different things, that makes life so hard. But I do think whether it's blitzing into different fronts where you're kind of, you're building a different front instead of lining up in it, that's one way to do it. I think that having those hard, hard edges with Bosa and Mac is going to make a difference in the run game. And then, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for a lot from Aaron Kendricks, right? I know he's, he's happy to be back uh, in his hometown in LA. So it's going to be a combination of we need to be versatile on the defensive front. And that might mean, hey, we have to play man coverage again. But, you know, the Chargers showed that they were comfortable doing that. So then, it's you know, it's football so beautiful because it's counter, 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 counter. We're just throwing punches right. back and forth, whether if the defense is comfortable, you know, now we have to get into heavier boxes. Now the offense says, well, that's going to open up more space for the receivers. So I do want to focus on, think of those early downs. Are the Chargers getting any different fronts against the Dolphins run game? Are the Dolphins saying, you know what, we'll take three chances at getting 10 yards through the air and seeing, you know, that back and forth and push and pull. I think Mike McDaniel does a good job at the start of the second half. You know, they'll have their, sometimes they'll just repeat plays or they'll have kind of scripted, they call them openers. So we'll see what those adjustments are in that, in that short 12 minute halftime. Yeah, this is, I'm very curious to see what they do here and how they adjust or change or don't. I mean, I, I totally get even why you wouldn't. I feel like Brandon Staley could go find a SoFi Stadium hot dog and sit in the seats with us because he's got his all-pro back and his other all-pro back and the guy he paid $8 million to play on the D-line for and the other guy he paid $10 million to play on the D-line for. Like, there was so much missing that last game that I feel like Staley could just run the same thing again and they'd be okay. One of the interesting changes, though, um, and we'll see how much it does change things, is that Joey Bosa has talked about gaining, I think it was like 20-something pounds or whatever it was over the offseason. Morgan Fox last year talked about how over the course of the season when he had more of a defined role – he naturally, kind of because of the holidays, he said, gained weight. So, like, with Joey Bosa gaining 20-something pounds or whatever, like, how does that help? I know it's, like, to play the run, of course. But in your eyes, why would that be able to help them this game or really any game throughout the season? My hope with Joey Bosa is that he is able to return to a top level as a pass rusher because that's where, you know, if you're a defensive end and you bring real, real pass rushing juice that Bosa has in him, that is the top end of it. And that's that kind of tail end that you're hopefully buying. I do think if you're stouter there, it makes it easier to deal with those big tackles. And, you know, we see TJ Watt a lot of times, well, like, he'll just throw a tight end away. And it feels like for the top end defensive ends, it, I think that they're insulted when the offense kind of just has a tight end on them. And I'm hoping to see, we see it more often this year where Bosa is just just dumping people and able to get in the backfield and stop him for zero or minus one. He absolutely has that ability. He's shown it for sure. And I think that I hope that weight, you know, whether it helps him keep him healthy, whether it's something that, you know, that solidifies him in his core area. But I do think, you know, being able to knock back those tackles a little bit because he has so much lower body strength. So I think that all of it combined, it's just, it's just hopefully better, right? Like I hope he doesn't lose any speed off the edge. I don't think he will. I think just being able to be healthy and being able to get into his full routine is going to be able to just let him jolt off the edge. And, you know, if it's sometimes where he flies up the field so far that the running game gets in there, hopefully that's balanced out by any sort of sacks. Because, you know, we can make predictions. We can think about it. What if the Chargers defensive line just washes the Dolphins, of, the Dolphins offensive line? 
-hmm. the game's just over at that point it almost it doesn't matter how much scheme we want to talk about or how much you know how much i love mike mcdaniel and what he puts out if you can't block those guys you cannot get to what you want to get to and you're going to have a really long day so i know you guys are really hoping for that and throughout the season i think that's something that certainly we hope to see from bosa yeah i think uh, you know tyler and i did our uh nfl prediction show this past saturday on our own channel and my my big thing with the Dolphins is like all of this is great. I, I I do think that Mike McDaniel is an above average play caller, um, but I don't know how much I trust what they have along the offensive line. Uh, Teron Armstead is already injured and he's potentially inactive in this game. We'll see how that one kind of progresses through this week. But to me, like this is this is really going to come down to that matchup of how the Chargers are able to get after Tua, get him off of his spots. And, and I think that's really going to be how the Chargers potentially win this game is a big day from Joey Bosa, Morgan Fox, Khalil Mack, Sebastian Joseph Day against the run because I think that's their big advantage in this matchup is the defensive line versus the Dolphins' offensive line. And you obviously hope, you know, you have a supernova quarterback, right? You The Chargers, it seems like they're built to play with the lead and to close that lead, right? I think they're great in pass coverage. I think the, the numbers show it out. And the film shows it out just beautifully with how DBs take care of routes. So, you know, whether it's something getting an early lead, you know, I hope Kellen Moore's foot is on the gas pedal the whole game, but particularly early, right? I think that Chargers fans have seen it, that when you have a quarterback like that, it can just blow the ceiling off of defenses. And obviously you're hoping the new weapons on the offensive side allow that pass rush to get more into it. Whether it's, hey, the Dolphins have to take more pass snaps we're going to get more chances with Bosa and Mack with their hands in the ground. That's going to hopefully lead to more sacks for the Chargers. So how, how did the Dolphins manage to be a good and consistent offense last year? Because the offensive line has not been good when Tua has been the quarterback. It's been, it's been a bit rough. And last year, I wouldn't say they were great either. And leading into this year, the offensive line is almost the same as it was last year. So how did the Dolphins, how did Mike McDaniel manage to get a good offense, if not almost a great offense, out of what they had given their offensive line woes. I think that the Dolphins did a good job manipulating defenses in different ways, whether it's that motion coming across the field where the defensive end is unblocked. So in that situation, you know, that is obviously dangerous for Tua, but when you have that kind of quick inbreaker, they would run it where they have someone running to the flat. They'd have someone running a kind of a post, but it would be like a glance, kind of a short inbreaking slant and a wheel behind it where defenders would be unblocked. So, you know, if you can't block them, just don't sometimes right i think the dolphins <laughs> did a really really good job of that but they also were not bailed out but they were able to rely on hill and waddle in so many different ways and mcdaniel had creative ways again to play action i really thought it was so cool the way they got into their play action game from the gun i think it made their offensive lines life a little easier they whether a lot of times thing you know we think of tom brady where a guard's pulling in play action they had a they did a good job where on the back side of a concept where if we think about the Eagles versus the Niners, that uh, I think it was maybe Hassan Reddick, where he's on a tight end, he can just dump him in play action. Where the Dolphins, they'll have a guy on the backside peel instead. So it'll be that backside guard kind of hinging and turning. So now we have a guard on that mm. player instead. So Mike McDaniel is, is incredible, and he is very, very smart, and he's very good at this. So And part of that is shown, as you said, you know, how did they figure this out? They were able to. So whether it's through players you know stepping up a little bit but a lot of times you know the assignments were made easier because i think mcdaniel understood well we maybe have a shortcoming here or a shortcoming there so we need to make sure we're playing on time 
we're playing in rhythm we can get to our first read fairly quick take advantage of that speed and staley saw that and said no thank you <laughs> uh and and change it up for him yeah love to hear that so again like i said earlier this coaching matchup to me is so so exciting um and not just this you know matchup right you got vic vanji versus kellen moore on the opposite side which uh tyler and i will dive into a lot on our show on thursday um sean this has been great man we really appreciate your time we'll get you out of here with one more thing and that is a final score prediction uh chargers dolphins what you got for us all right so i don't love making predictions but you know how much (laughs) i care about you guys so i am you know i come on this podcast you guys are so nice to me. The Chargers are always great to me. And I'm, I'm going to predict the Dolphins win. Uh, I got 28-24. I think that McDaniel gets to punch back. I just know that they have been in their dark room watching over and over, showing to a, hey, we need to be able to hit these sorts of concepts. I think they bought in new threats on offense. They have Devin A. Chain. They're going to be more than happy to attack running the ball. And it's going to be on the Chargers to adjust that. At the same time, the Chargers obviously have, they have so many paths to victory here, right? That offensive line is going to come back strong. We're going to hopefully see Herbert continue to take that next, next, next step. Steven, I know you like the defensive line from what you saw in camp. The defensive line, they can just overmatch the Dolphins, right? And again, if Posa and Mac are just getting after it, it does not matter what the counter punches are because, you know, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth and the Chargers defensive line can do that to you. They can overwhelm you. But with all that said, I think that, Mike McDaniel gets to punch back on this one. I have him 28-24, but I am more than happy to be wrong. I am more than happy to get get added in the in the replies in the comments or whatever. I'm I'm hoping that I'm wrong, and obviously, hopefully, everyone goes out to SoFi and has a good time. Yeah, you know, negative engagement is still engagement. So I appreciate all the extra comments you just got for our video. Um, I don't know who's still watching 40 minutes in, but um, I'm sure they'll have something to say. We will still invite you back at some point. Um, but if you know yeah. if you're right, then I guess we can invite you back. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Uh, Like I said, this has been awesome. Hopefully, uh, you guys listening have learned a ton from this episode. I know I certainly have. Um, Please go check out Sean on his podcast over at Sumer Sports uh, with Tej. um, Stats and Schemes. It's a fantastic podcast, so go check them out. We really appreciate it. Um, Sean, man, any uh, final thoughts on this matchup before we head out? Just cannot believe this is week one. (laughs) This is like... I, I can't overstate how big that Staley's defensive game plan like shocked the whole entire film world last year, and it was so exciting. And you know, I would have loved for this to be like week twelve, whether it's both <laughs> these teams just get so many reps and reps and reps to figure these things out. But we we are truly spoiled, and it, it's it's going to be a pleasure. I hope that I just hope it's a great game more than anything. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like I said, appreciate your time today. Um, cannot wait for this matchup. Uh, Chargers fans, as always, make sure and subscribe to this channel. Like, comment, let us know what you thought about uh, this particular episode. And uh, if you're mad at Sean, take it easy on him. We know how great he is with his time. We really appreciate him. And uh, that's going to do it for us today. We'll see you guys next time. As always, bolt up.